Great to see you guys. Welcome, welcome. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Thanks so much for being here. We do want to take the time just to honor those uh, who have fallen for our freedom. We're so grateful for those men and women who literally spilled their blood for us. If you have a family member anywhere up the line who gave their life for this country, would you stand real quick because you sacrificed your family member. We want to honor those that are fallen and honor their families and say thank you. Thank you so much for the sacrifice that you have made as well. Thank you for that. Grateful for you. I'm really nervous. I wasn't nervous until my wife walked in. She has no idea why. But uh, last week we celebrated 25 years. Uh, and uh, so I don't even think she grabbed a bulletin on the way in to know that there's an open letter to her uh, throughout every bulletin. So I'm going to instead read it to you, babe. And so, Jessica. 25 years ago, I was blessed to marry you. It seems like just yesterday that we were college students, and I was walking you home from a night class to make sure you were safe. We were just friends then, but I obviously thought you were beautiful. I remember saying to you as we talked, you're going to be a great wife for someone one day. I had no idea that would be me. I remember the summer we fell in love, how every day I longed to see you, and we spent every waking moment that we weren't in class or work together. I'll never forget asking you to marry me as a surprise in front of all of our friends. You said yes, and my life has never been the same. I remember the first few years where we could only shop at Walmart and we lived in a rundown apartment that was a bit scary at night. I worked three jobs while finishing school, and you cleaned the ladies' house for extra cash while going to school full-time. Then there was seminary where you worked as a teacher so I could go to school full-time to get through quicker. I remember how excited we were when we found out we were having a baby only to lose the baby through miscarriage a few months later. I'll never forget your tears. I remember the day we found out we were pregnant again, and that's when little Mason came along. <laughs> I'll never forget when I told you I just had to start a church for the next generation, and although scared, you supported the decision. I remember packing up our little U-Haul and moving from Dallas to Corpus Christi, armed only with our faith in God, a dream in each other. Most people give me way too much credit for this amazing church. Because after God, you were the one who stood with me when no one else would. When we had our core group meetings in our apartment, you watched everyone's kids in our extra bedroom. When the church finally went public, you set up and worked the nursery for the first 18 months, never even seeing a single service. It was through your sacrifice of prayer, setting up and breaking down each week, taking meals to people, throwing seamlessly endless numbers of baby showers for others, and even draining our life savings three different times over the first 10 years to get this fledgling church off the ground. You chose to stand with me when I was criticized for bold new ways of doing outreach that not every Christian in town seemed to agree with. You patiently helped me when I couldn't walk and brought me through two back surgeries in two years. When key people left the church and tried to turn the people against me, you defended me. Every insult I received, you felt deeper. I remember when you surprised me in the middle of a service with Mason at age two, walking up on stage while I was preaching, wearing a t-shirt that said, I'm the big brother. We were gonna have a second boy. Cole was born nine months later. Then it was just a few years after that when you came to me and said, I have a dream of adopting a baby girl from Russia. I remember like it was yesterday, praying about this and sensing God indeed had a little girl waiting for us. Even as I write this, I can't help but get teary-eyed remembering all the work you did to get us ready to adopt. Who knew the paperwork and expense would be so high? I remember when I held little Sophie for the first time and I'll never forget hearing you say hello to her 
and thinking how beautiful you are as you held her in your arms in that Russian orphanage. As we've seen our children begin to grow up, I have to tell you that you have become even more beautiful to me. You were such a good mother to our children, and yet you have always prioritized our relationship first, even with the never-ending demands of three kids in the growing church. I see so many couples think that they have fallen out of love when all they have done is quit prioritizing each other. Thank you for being diligent and always putting our time together as a priority. Our kids are blessed to see the way we love each other. And frankly, I'm blessed by my wildest dreams to wake up every morning next to you. Happy 25th anniversary, babe. I love you more than words could express. I just had to pen this open letter so that the world could know what I've experienced all these years, what real love can and should be. It's so crazy. When she walked in, I, I got nervous. I never get nervous. And the desk backstage were like, this is so funny. You're actually nervous. I know. I was like, it's really funny. I know. It's crazy. But I love you, babe. I'm so grateful for you. And this summer, we're going to be celebrating and getting a family, getting a 25th anniversary trip. And so we're looking forward to that. I'm going to take her to a Furio. I'm going all out. It's going to be amazing. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's going to be nicer than that, I promise. So. I'm so glad you guys are joining us today. Thanks for letting me just take a moment there and just, just share my love for my wife with you and, and just thank you for all the years you've given us to be a part of this church. And uh, I will tell you that, you know, we, we really feel like we have four kids, we have three children, and we also raise the church. And, uh, and it's just an honor to be a part of this place. And just so thank you for letting me. I feel like this is an extension. I feel like you guys are our family. And so that's why I wanted to do that in front of everyone here so they all knew how crazy in love I still am after all these years. So love you, babe. I want to talk today about learning to slow down. I think all of us are way too busy. I think all of us pretty much stress ourselves out, run around like crazy, always just going from one event to another and wondering where all the years went. I think all of us can feel that way at times, and so we really do have to learn. It's something we have to be taught to actually slow down. And so pull out your notes if you would. I want to talk to you about something that I know applies to everyone here. I don't know a single person that doesn't need this message. If you are an American, you need this message. And so we all struggle when it comes to time. And so we have to learn to slow down. First of all, let's hear a mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. So here are the four effects of a hurried lifestyle. They're really pretty simple. It says in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 3, overwork makes for restless sleep. The first thing is that I feel more stressed. Have you ever had a hard time sleeping at night? Could it be that you're going 90 miles an hour all the way up until bedtime and just jump in bed and think somehow your body's going to wind down? It doesn't work like that. Can I give you a little hint, by the way? Put the phone across the room. I've learned to do this. And when I really can't sleep, I get, the, I get up and I'm like, okay, once again, I'm looking at my phone, checking email at 1 in the morning, right? And so I've learned to take my phone and put it across the room. I don't always do it, but when I feel my stress rise and I'm, I can't sleep, I realize I'm still on when I need to slow down and shut down. So I want to encourage you that if you live a hurried lifestyle, you will feel more stress. The second thing is I lose my joy. Job 9 says, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without me seeing any joy. You know, sometimes I fly to Dallas and, 
and uh, host it for TVN. Sometimes you guys are, are, you know, thankful that you watch it sometimes, and I'll post about it. But when I fly there, sometimes they'll say over the loudspeaker, we're flying over Austin now, or we're flying over whatever, you know, wherever we are. And when I look out the window and I see Austin or some other town, I always think, oh, there it is. But I really can't appreciate it. I'm just flying over it. I mean, I can't enjoy it. If I wanted to enjoy the city of Austin, I would need to drive there, right, and make stops along the way so I could enjoy all that city has to offer. Could it be that you and I are flying over our lives where we can't really enjoy the moments that we have with each other? We're just so busy that we're like a jet flying over our kids, flying over our marriage, flying over all the relationships at work and at school and at church, flying over all the stuff that really matters. We have to learn to land that plane and slow down so we can actually enjoy one another. Otherwise, you'll lose your joy. Number three is I'm less productive. Isn't it funny how busy people actually are oftentimes less productive? Have you, have you discovered this yet? That you can make a to-do list on Monday and it's still good on Friday? Nothing's done on it? <laughs> right? I, this has happened to me before. I come in and I set my bag down with my laptop and all my stuff in it. And then someone knocks on my office door. And the next thing you know, I'm in my office, someone else's office. Have this meeting, that meeting, that meeting, that meeting. And they get back and it's now 5 o'clock and I haven't even opened my bag. I haven't even gotten to the list of things I wrote out that I was going to do. Has anyone else had this happen to you? It's funny how actually when you're more busy, you actually become less productive. Number three, I'm less productive. And then the fourth one, this is really a big one. It says in Psalms 46, oh, I'm sorry, let me read Proverbs 21. It says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Could it be that we're in the thick of thin things? We're just busy doing too much. And number four, I can't hear God. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. You know, in Scripture, we're pretty familiar with the story about Moses, most of us in the Old Testament. Maybe you're not. It's okay. I'll just tell you, Moses was, was someone who God raised up to set all of the people of Israel free. And so they were in bondage. They were in slavery. And so whenever uh, he was to be born, it was prophesied. And, of course, the Pharaoh heard about this prophecy, and he didn't want this to happen. So he said, kill all the firstborn males, Right. And so there's only two times uh, that we have, really, there's three times in history that we see a nation uh, just killing babies in mass. One is Moses. The second is when Jesus was born. And the third, I think it's very interesting, is in my generation, that about half my generation has been aborted. So it, makes, it tells me something, and I don't want to make this about abortion or make it political, but I want to tell you, number one, the Bible's against that. But, but more importantly, I want to tell you that that tells me that the devil knows that, he has, that God has big plans for us, and so he's trying to take you out. You realize that? That's a sign of God wanting to do something great through you. Now let's go back to Moses for a second if we can. Keep in mind what happened. His wife, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, his, his mother was, was nervous and scared that she was going to lose her son, obviously. So they hid her boy in their home. Now keep in mind, this is a slave uh, home. And so slave homes aren't big. They don't have a lot of rooms. It's probably just one room. It's kind of hard to hide them. So eventually they finally had to get a little creative and she got a basket. And of course, we know the story. They put him in the Nile River and he floated down the Nile. And eventually Pharaoh's daughter sees this basket, goes over, opens it, and there's little Moses. So then she says to her attendants, she says, hey, because she was bathing. She says to her attendants, I want to keep this baby as my own. Please go find some woman who can nurse this baby for me. Then they went, the attendants, I guess they kind of knew word on the street, 
whose baby that she was, they went and found Moses' mother. So she then got paid by Pharaoh's daughter to take care of her own child. Isn't that cool how God works that out? But let me tell you where I'm going with this. I, want, I just want to mention something to you. God is good at hiding his treasure. Pharaoh's looking all over the nation to kill this one baby. He says, I'll kill all the babies just to get to this one. And while he's looking all over his own nation to kill this one baby, that one baby is one room over from him. God hid the treasure that would lead to the salvation of, of Israel right next to Pharaoh. And he never even noticed it. He never even realized he was actually paying for this baby to grow up, paying for this baby to learn all kinds of languages and learn all kinds of, have a great intellect and a great education that none of his slave friends had. And he got all that so he could one day be a great leader. And let me show you, I want to mention this. Because God is hiding a treasure again. It's clear in Scripture. He has hid the very knowledge and skill and ability of God in you. It is a treasure that he hid inside your own heart. He hid this treasure in your very soul for you to do great things for the Lord. How can you pull out the treasure if you never slow down to hear from God? How can you ever become all that God has for you if you're so busy going, 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 we never stop to say, God, what have you placed inside me? What have you put inside me to do that the world desperately needs? How, God, am I supposed to help shape history the same way Moses did? God has put treasure in you, and you'll never discover it until you finally slow down to hear from God. Number four, I just can't hear from God until what? Until I be still and know that he is God. So I want to give you three simple principles on how to slow down. Is someone getting something out of this already? Is this speaking to someone today? Okay, let's jump right in. I really believe this is a, a God-inspired message today. I believe God has something for you. So please just hear loud and clear what God has for you. Here's three things that we need to do to slow down. The first thing may surprise you. It says in Exodus chapter 20, it says, You have six days to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. Psalms 127.2 says, It is useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Now, what I want to tell you next may surprise you. It's not to take a day off. That's not what God wants for you to do. He wants you to take a Sabbath. That is a critical difference. So number one, take a Sabbath, not a day off. Because you know what you do on your day off? You mow the lawn, you wash the car, you clean out the attic, you clean out the garage, you do a bunch of busy stuff, don't you? And so you're busy, so are you really actually getting a day off? You're not because we don't treat it as a Sabbath. We forget it's holy. It's set apart. It's supposed to be a day where we really don't do anything. We rest our body. We rejuvenate our souls. We hear from the Lord. All of those things are supposed to be happening on the Sabbath. That's why it's so important for you to be in church, even on Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for being here. It's a big deal. Why? Because God has rest for our souls. He wants to refuel us. He wants to refill us. You may be running on empty because you're just ignoring God's house. You got to stop in the fill-in station if you don't want to run on empty. And so that's the power of being in the church. There's a guy named Jim. He went to his boss and said, hey, boss, I really need tomorrow off. My wife's got all this spring cleaning for us to do. We're supposed to clean out the attic, clean out the garage, all this kind of stuff I got to do. Jim's boss looked at him and said, hey, Jim, I'm really sorry, but we are really shorthanded right now. I just, I can't give you that day off. Jim just hugged him and said, thank you. I knew you'd understand. <laughs> I want to encourage you to actually take your day off. Now, if you need to mow the lawn, here's what I want to challenge you to do. If, you, if Saturday's your day off, naturally, right? If that's your day off, mow the lawn Thursday night. Mow the lawn Friday night. And, and that way, when Saturday comes, you don't have to do it. So stack your work on the days you work so that when your day off comes, you can truly chill out, relax, enjoy yourself. Put a fishing pole in your hand. Go to the beach. Relax in your own backyard. Whatever it is that you like to do, 
rest. Just enjoy yourself. This is so important that we do this. We need this kind of rest. And so take a Sabbath, not a day off. And by the way, if you're the person who is proud of the fact you haven't taken a day off in years, that's not something to be proud of. It's critical. Listen, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. In fact, the truth is this. If you never take a day off, guess what? God will get the day off from you. He'll let you get sick. You'll get so run down, you'll have to stop. Has this ever happened to you? It's happened to me. You just get sick. God's like, oh, I'm going to get my day off. It's my day. It's holy. And you're supposed to take it. If you can either give it to me or I can take it from you, how would you like it? So I want to encourage you to take a Sabbath, not a day off. The second one's really important when it comes to our schedule. Number two is to pause and pray before you commit to something. Oh, I'm bad about this. How about you? People ask me for something, and my automatic response is, sure, yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, sure, I'll I'll be there, no problem. And guess what? I don't have time. My schedule is so crazy, and yet I still find myself saying, yes, be glad to do that. Only to later look back and go, what was I thinking? Have you ever been to an event, and the whole time you're sitting at the event, you just keep thinking, why did I say yes to this? Anyone relate to what I'm talking about right now? And you're like, I cannot believe I agreed to do this. Look at Proverbs 19.2. It says, zeal without knowledge is not good. A person who moves too quickly may go the wrong way. Now, I just have to tell you, my daughter is a great basketball player. But once a year, at least once a year, sweetie, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell on you. Once a year, she makes a score for the opposing team. She gets going so busy in the middle of her defense, she gets the ball and gets so excited that she just shoots right then and there and makes it for the opposing team. When you go too fast sometimes, you end up making the wrong move. You ever done that? And so we find ourselves like screaming, going, Sophie, Sophie, stop, 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 right? Please don't score for the opposing team. Could it be that you're moving so fast that you've been scoring for the opposing team? Could it be that whenever you struggle morally, because you're just going so fast? And so you're just not really refreshed and recharged. And when temptation comes, you're so run down, you don't have the strength to face that. And so you make the wrong move. You score for the opponent. I want to encourage you not to do that. You know, the busier I get, the, the fewer automatic yeses I need to have. I think all of us should, should take a cue from that and say, you know what, I'm, just, I'm going to stop and ponder before I immediately say, oh, sure. I'm going to say, you know what, can you give me a day on that? Let me look at my calendar. Let me, let me think. So I've had to learn to do this because I don't even keep my own calendar. My, my secretary doesn't. So I actually say, let me check and see. It's a great thing to do. And the other thing, too, is great about having a, a, a second party or third party involved in your calendar because my secretary and my wife basically keep my calendar. And so they'll let me know if there's too much going on. It really protects me. Do you need some protection from yourself? Anyone else relate to what I'm talking about? Because I want to please people. So when people ask me for something, I just say, oh, sure, that'd be great. And then I find myself going, ah, what did I just do? I just overcommitted. And so I want to encourage you to pause and pray. Proverbs 19.2 says, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. Isn't that true? We just do. Proverbs 20, verse 25 says, an impulsive vow is a trap. Later, you'll wish you could get out of it. Guys, if you say yes to everything, you can't say yes to the best things. You ever found yourself saying yes to everyone else but your family? And you're like, I don't have time to get with my kids. Why? I'm too busy getting with the neighbors. I don't have time to do what's most important because I'm too busy doing all the things that aren't important. And so we have to slow down. If you say yes to everything, you can't say yes to the best things. Here's a little thing. Here's a little phrase I want to give you that I think is very powerful. Always remember this. Please write this down. It's easier to get into something than to get out of it. Isn't that true? Boy, you guys are quiet today. It's almost like the conviction of God's around here or something. (laughs) 
How many of you guys can relate to this, right? It's so easy to get into something. Here's a couple. Let me just ask you this. Is it easier to get into debt or to get out of debt? Right? Is it easier to get into a relationship than to get out of it? Singles, slow down. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself always trying to get out of something that you shouldn't have got into in the beginning. Is it easier to get into trouble or to get out of it? Way easier to get in trouble, isn't it? Is it easier to gain weight or to lose weight? Do I really need to answer that for you? Okay. Is it easier to fill your schedule or to fulfill your schedule? It's easier to fill it, but it can be really hard to fulfill it. So we have to learn to slow down. Oftentimes, the solution is to slow our calendar down by just saying, I'm not going to commit to so many things. Hey, by the way, next week, I want to encourage you to be here. I'm, I'm really excited about next week's message. Next week, I'm really, God's word, through God's word, next week, I'm going to set you free. Because I believe a lot of us have incredible pressure on us. And so next week is all about taking the pressure off. Next week, here's the message. Let me give you in a nutshell. Here it is. Next week is this. <sighs> That's next week's message. How many of you guys want to be here for that? <laughs> Don't miss next week's message, all right? Take the pressure off. It's a big deal. And then the last one, after you pause and pray and you don't commit to everything that you can, may surprise you that we would include this in the list, but I think it's really important. Number three is that you listen to people. We oftentimes don't really listen to people. You know why we get in trouble and do dumb things? We're not listening to those around us and their warnings we're not listening to our loved ones. We're not listening to our boss or our coworkers, our best friend. We're not listening to our parents. We're not listening to our, our brothers and sisters. We're not listening to others who can really help us and save us from messes. Why? We're just going so fast. I don't have time to listen. You ever find yourself talking over each other? Maybe you have an anger problem. That, here, here's the solution to your anger problem. It says in James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know one of the reasons why we get so angry? We didn't hear the other person out. We make, we make assumptions. And when you assume how they feel and assume why they did something, it'll make you angry. And so instead, we need to actually listen to others. It says in Ecclesiastes 5, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Isn't that good? That's a big deal. we got to slow down and actually listen. If you're in the heat of the moment and you're really angry with someone, that's the perfect time to stop and say, I don't, I'm not going to say how I'm feeling right now because you can't get it back. Once it comes out, you can, you, can, you can apologize, but you can't get it back. And so instead, when you want to just go off, stop and, and just say, let me hear your perspective first. And just listen and hear them out before you respond. We have to slow it down. Let your words be few. Let me tell you right now, husbands, listen to me. If you're in a fight with your wife, let your words be few. They can and will be used against you. <laughs> right? Let your words be few. With anyone that's, that's upset with you or you're upset with him. And then Proverbs 29, 20 says, Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Come on, God, just tell us how you really feel. Right? The Lord's like, don't be an idiot. Don't be a fool. Shut your mouth. And so we have to learn to slow down and listen. Let me tell you right now, one of the most loving things you can ever do with someone that you really love just give them time. How do you spell love? L-O-V-E? No, T-I-M-E. If you will give someone time and really listen to them, you can get to their heart. You can really connect with them. 
Doesn't mean you're always going to get along with every family member. Doesn't mean everything's going to always go perfect. But I can promise you this. If you'll learn to listen first, everything will go better. Again, it's not going to be perfect. You're still going to have conflicts, but they will always go better. So many conflicts could be solved if we would just stop and actually listen. You know what I really love to see politicians do? Listen instead of giving speeches. Just to actually go and ask their constituents, what are you thinking? What do you need? What's going on? When we listen, we do so much better. You know what? My sermons are way more effective when instead of writing a message I want to hear, I write one based upon listening to you telling me what you need. It's incredibly effective when that happens. And so you say, well, hold on. I thought the Lord was leading the church. It's not just, we don't just do whatever people want. No, 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 I'm not saying that. But the Bible talks about meeting people's needs. Jesus always did that. And so whatever your need is, I want to help meet that need through the word of God. And so I've discovered if I'll just listen to you, you'll tell me. And so the truth is, is that everything is that way. If you're not selling product at your company right now, if your sales are down, you're probably not listening. It means you're not listening to the customer. Listen to the customer better, make adjustments, sales will go up. If you're having a problem in your marriage or a relationship with your kids, slow down, listen. Before you go rattle off what you're angry about, say, hey, I know there's been some tension between us. Tell me what's going on in your heart. Tell, tell, tell me, why, why are you mad at me? Why are you rolling your eyes? What are you frustrated? And just listen before you respond. It's incredible the difference that can make. Listen to people. You know why? Because efficiency with people is inefficient. When you are efficient with people, it's inefficient. You know, we do the exact opposite. Guess what? We get going busy. And so we become what? We become fast with people and slow with the task. We need to do the exact opposite. We need to be fast with tasks, slow with people. We have to slow it down and listen to one another. And you know what? When you do that, when you slow down and listen, you'll hear God speaking to you. God has so much to tell you. God, there's so much to share with you. Will you listen? Will you slow down and hear God's word rather than, oh, the sermon's almost done. Let's get everything together. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't miss this God moment. God's trying to talk to you. God's speaking to you right now. He's speaking his truth because he loves you. He wants you to enjoy your life. And he wants to give rest to his children. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for this timely message today that you're here to hear. And I believe that God is speaking to all of us through this. I know I needed it, frankly, as I was working on it. Thinking, oh, Lord, whew, I need to preach to myself today. Because I get so caught up, busy, doing stuff even good things, that I just fly over everything and miss the details. So in this moment, would you just slow down and tell God how much you love him? Would you just do that in this prayer time? Just let God know, Lord, I just love you. It's an honor to be in your house. It's an honor to hear from you. It's an honor to know, Lord, that you have something for me, that you've hidden treasure inside me, that if I'll spend time with you, You'll pull it out of me. You'll reveal all you've put in me. All you placed in me was for me to utilize for your kingdom, for your purposes, to make an impact in this world. Lord, I want to slow down. I don't want to miss why I was created. Two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you discover why. Have you discovered your why? You've got to listen. He has so much to tell you. 
with your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe today is a time just to reflect and say, okay, Lord, I want to slow down. Or maybe today is a time to recognize that there is a God who loves you. God loves you so much, he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. He paid the price at the cross for your sins and for mine. Then Jesus rose again from the grave, proving that he is God. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, how appropriate is it for you to give your heart to Christ, to recognize that he gave his life, he shed his blood for you. Here on Memorial Day weekend, a day we celebrate those who shed their blood for us, that we could receive Christ who shed his blood for us paid the price for our sins, then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, would you pray this prayer with me? You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. His word is so true. What a